Welcome to Deckert's Committed Capital. This is an episode of Sidecar, a special bite-sized discussion of the latest market issues. Hello, and welcome to Committed Capital Sidecar. My name is Greg Chernicky, and I'm a private equity partner in Deckard's Corporate and Securities Group. And it's my pleasure to moderate today's discussion focused on the upcoming implementation of the Corporate Transparency Act in the United States, which becomes operationally effective on January 1st, 2024. I'm joined today by two of my partners who I, I did invite to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Sarah Kupferman. I'm a private equity partner based in New York. And I'm Chris Field. I'm also a private equity partner, but based in our London office. Let's dive right in. Sarah, why don't you start by telling us what the Corporate Transparency Act is and why it matters now? So the Corporate Transparency Act, or the CTA for short, was enacted by Congress in January of 2021 as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. Its goal is to prevent money laundering and the financing of terrorism through the use of shell companies in the U.S. Uh, The reason it matters now is that while the law passed back in January of 2021, none of the rules came into effect until now. Uh, Those rules are now finally set to take effect on January 1st, 2024, and will have an impact on some businesses and how companies and investors manage their administrative functions. So what exactly will these new rules require? So starting in January, FinCEN uh, will launch an information collection and management system to track beneficial ownership of business entities formed or registered to do business in the United States. The system will be known as BOSS, B-O-S-S, and the term for the entities that will be required to register and disclose information is, quote unquote, reporting companies. Every single domestic or foreign corporation, limited liability company, or any other type of entity that is created or registered to do business in the U.S. by the filing of a document with a secretary of state or any other similar office, that's a reporting company, unless it qualifies for one of 23 specifically enumerated exemptions. Therefore, every single domestic or foreign entity created or registered to business in the U.S., whether they are formed before or after January 1st of this coming year, will need to undertake an analysis to determine if it qualifies as a reporting company under the CTA or if it's exempt. Every entity that is a reporting company will be required to submit a disclosure report to FinCEN via the BOSS system uh, with the following information. First, the full legal name of the company. Second, if there is one, the trade name or doing business as name of the reporting company. Three, a complete current business address. Four, the state, tribal, or foreign jurisdiction of formation or registration of the entity. And finally, the reporting company's IRS taxpayer identification number or any employer identification number if they have one. The disclosure reports are also going to include information about each beneficial owner of the reporting company. And for each beneficial owner, you'll need to disclose their full legal name, date of birth, current residential address, an identification number of some kind, either a non-expired ID, a driver's license, passport number, um, and an image of the corresponding identifying document. So if you give your passport number, for example, you need to submit a photocopy of your passport. Also, as any of the above information changes over time, updates will need to be made to the report on BOSS within 30 days for a reporting company to remain compliant. 
One more thing, which is just for reporting companies that are created or registered after January 1st, 2024, the person who submits the formation or registration documentation to the applicable state authority for the reporting company and the person who is primarily responsible for directing or controlling that filing, if it happens to be a different person, must also provide this information with respect to himself or herself as a company applicant. Thanks, Sarah. So what is a beneficial owner for these purposes? Uh, Do all equity holders of an entity, no matter how immaterial their ownership may be, need to be reported? Thankfully, no. Um, A beneficial owner for CTA reporting purposes is any individual who directly or indirectly exercises, quote unquote, substantial control over the reporting company or owns or controls 25% or more of the ownership interests of the reporting company. Uh, For purposes of the CTA, who has substantial control is a pretty broad category. It includes senior officers, people with the authority to remove or appoint senior officers or directors, uh, people with influence over decision-making at the reporting company, etc. Similarly, there's a pretty expansive approach taken to what constitutes an ownership interest for this purpose. It covers equity, stock, other similar instruments, including convertible instruments, warrants, options, and other rights, including contractual rights to acquire equity um, or other capital or other interests in the reporting company. In businesses with complex holding structures and bespoke governance provisions, comprehensive reviews will need to be undertaken to figure out who is a beneficial owner. Sarah, many of our clients have literally hundreds of entities and their various holding structures. So this volume of disclosure seems impractical and, and certainly extremely burdensome. Is, is there really an expectation that every single entity formed or registered in the U.S. will need to register on BOSS and provide this information? Thankfully, again, the answer is no. As I mentioned before, the CTA and the final FinCEN implementation rules have 23 specific categories of business entities that will not be considered reporting companies, even if they otherwise meet the criteria. Um, So just a a handful for a quick example, public companies, registered broker-dealers, certain investment companies, investment advisors, banks and bank holding companies, credit unions, uh, money-transmitting businesses, commodity trading companies, certain pooled investment vehicles, uh, 501c3 tax-exempt entities, um, certain inactive business entities and insurance companies. All of those should not be required to submit their beneficial ownership information. I expect that for most of my clients, the following two exceptions, however, are going to be the most relevant. One, is a large company exemption. So any business entity that employs greater than 20 employees on a full-time basis in the U.S., filed in the previous year an income tax return in the U.S. showing more than $5 million in gross receipts or sales, and three, has an operating presence at a physical office within the U.S., that's an exempt entity. And also, there's an exemption for entities that are wholly owned by other exempt entities. So any business entity owned or controlled by a business entity that is itself exempt from the beneficial ownership disclosure um, with some limited exemptions should also be exempt. So these specific exemptions should allow most operating companies and their subsidiaries to be exempt from registration and reporting. But note, if an entity no longer qualifies for an exemption in the future, it will then need to file an initial report within 30 days of the loss of its exempt status. So these exemptions provide some comfort that filings won't be needed for many entities, but it still seems like a tall order to get all of this done before January 1st, 2024. 
Uh, yes, it certainly would be. Uh, thankfully, another saving grace is that the reporting companies formed prior to January 1st, 2024 will have a full year until January 1st, 2025 to come into compliance and file their initial report on BOSS. But for clients that have complex structures um, who are going to need to do a lot of legwork to see what, if any, exceptions might apply to their entities in the next, they're going to want to do that in the next few months. That way, if they want to form entities in 2024, they'll be able to do so because anything that's formed after January 1st, 2024 will have only 30 days to submit an initial filing on BOSS. Thanks, Sarah. So, Chris, uh, turning to you, in the EU and UK, similar rules have been in effect for some time. Can you tell us a little bit about your and your client's experience with those regimes? Sure, sure, Greg. Um, so this goes back to 2013 uh, when the then UK Prime Minister, David Cameron, in his role as rotating chair at the G7 summit, um, pushed for publicly available registers of beneficial ownership of companies as a way to help combat corruption globally. And, and so the UK regulations were implemented a few years later in 2016, I mean, they were modelled on the European Union's anti-money laundering directives, the acronym is AML. For example, the, the UK regulations followed the EU's 25% ownership threshold, which, which I see also now applies under the CTA. Uh, but they also adopted some new concepts, such as a concept called significant control, which sounds at least terminologically suspiciously similar to substantial control under the CTA. And I think that highlights the two key takeaways here. So firstly, for those organisations that are already active in the UK and the EU, a lot of the conceptual framework in the CTA will be familiar to them. Uh, they've already done much of the analysis that's needed to identify the ultimate beneficial owners. But secondly, the devil is in the detail. You know, each EU country implements the AML directive slightly differently. And so there are nuances between each of the EU countries. And then, of course, differences with the UK, which is now outside the EU. So what that means in practice is that you have to be thoughtful about how you address the specific requirements of each regime. They're each subtly different. But you also need to maintain consistency in how you present your ultimate beneficial owners on a global basis across these regimes. Do you see any distinctions in the CTA that you find noteworthy in comparison to how the EU and UK regulations operate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at a high level, there are two things. Uh, firstly, both the UK and EU countries operate a centralised corporate registry. So uh, that's the equivalent of the CTA's reporting company disclosures. These were all already publicly filed at the time that these corporate entities were established. And so that means that, that when these regimes first came into force, there was much less upfront work that was required as the focus was only on identifying beneficial owners and not doing the initial company filing. And the, I think the second point, and this is the big distinction, is that in the UK, the beneficial ownership information is publicly accessible. And in the EU, it's accessible by those people who have a so-called legitimate interest. So given those distinctions, do you anticipate any changes to the CTA system in the years ahead? And how have the UK and EU systems changed over time, if at all? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest change, um, just as I was mentioning, has been this public access. Um, the UK did it from inception back in 2016. That was to back up their political rhetoric. 
I'm told that the campaign group Global Witness said it was the world's first publicly available register of beneficial ownership of companies. I don't know if that's right, but it was certainly the first one in the G20. Um, I mentioned that the UK regulations were modelled on the EU's AML directive. And at that time, the EU member states weren't actually required to have national registers of beneficial owners. But sure enough, that came a year later in 2017 as part of the fourth EU AML directive. And then in 2020, those EU registers all became publicly accessible as part of the fifth EU AML directive. And at the same time, all of those registries became interconnected across the EU to enable centralised verification. And although the European Court of Justice last year rode back on general public accessibility by limiting it to those who have a legitimate interest, I think that tells you the direction of travel. I think that there's a reasonable prospect that CTA information will become publicly accessible in due course. And, you know, even if it doesn't, government agencies will still increasingly want to share that information to help join the dots. And, and, you know, new technology like AI is going to allow them to do that with increased efficiency and precision. So my advice to listeners would be think about how these various filings stack up with what you're filing with other government agencies in the U.S. and globally, but also keep a weather eye open for what the media or campaign groups or the public at large might do with that information if or when it becomes publicly accessible. Good advice. Sarah, turning back to you, as a practical matter, what do you think clients should be doing now to be prepared for implementation of the CTA? So I think I would advise listeners to start by preparing a list of all legal entities they own and then start to think about possible exemptions that could apply. Compliance will likely require coordination with registered agent service providers who are typically the people who actually submit formation filings to state offices. Um, but we'll need to work with those service providers to determine how compliance can be streamlined as well. You know, there's been some delay in working through the nuts and bolts mechanics of how the filings are going to work. And I think I think part of that is that FinCEN has yet to launch the BOSS system um, and the service providers haven't yet had an opportunity to access it to prepare for, you know, how it's actually going to work when the rules go up in effect in January. Uh, we expect that's going to occur soon. And once it's done, we think we'll see much more attention focused on preparing for this. We, of course, are also happy to discuss specific concerns and help clients start to plan. Um, one option we would advise is that those who expect to close acquisitions in early 2024, uh, consider if it's possible to preform your acquisition entities before 2024 so that any newly formed entities will have until January 1, 2025 to file those initial reports. Sounds like we'll be getting a lot of calls from clients as we approach uh, the end of 2023. Chris, Sarah, thank you both for joining us today. And everyone out there, thank you for listening. As always, if you have thoughts or topics you'd like to see covered, please reach out to any of your DECA relationships to share them. You can find all of our resources at www.decker.com, including other private equity podcasts as they become available. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to Deckert's Committed Capital. Please subscribe. And for more information, visit Deckert.com.